welcome to the very first episode of MACMA's Audience Architect, where we are crafting the future of audience engagement. I'm your host, Bill Levine, and I couldn't be more excited to kick off this podcast series. Our mission is to dive into the intricacies of the ever-evolving media and publishing landscape through the sharp lens of audience and marketing professionals. Each episode will unravel the meaning and perspective on trends that are shaping the industry. For our inaugural episode, we've chosen a topic that is not just a trend, but a revolution, the impact of artificial intelligence on the publishing, media, and news industries. We'll have occasional AI episodes sprinkled into others. Uh, Today, I'll be introducing Greg Crable, our guest in a minute, but we'll also have in future episodes, Paul Miller, the CEO of Questex and others on this issue. But first, a word from MACMA, the Media Audience and Content Marketers Association. Uh, Thanks to Lisa Pastilli and the gang. These are the folks who are launching and supporting this new Audience Architect series. And speaking of them, um, back in April, I went for the first time to a MACMA event at the wonderful Hearst Tower in Midtown Manhattan for a day of incredible content and networking, including those like Brian Morrissey from The Rebooting Show, terrific audience talks from Morning Brew and Ted, and I may even have a vendor out of it. So supercharge your career with MACMA's paid membership, connect with industry experts, thought leaders, and like-minded professionals, expand your knowledge, and stay ahead with networking events, webinars, and conferences. Join today at www.the-macma.org, those will be in the show notes, for unparalleled value and professional growth. So, uh, as I've said, a topic that's not just a trend, but a revolution, the impact of AI on the publishing, media, and news industries. And what better way to explore this topic than with an expert in the field? It's my immense pleasure to introduce our esteemed guest, Mr. Greg Crable. Everybody knows Greg in the industry, no? Um, Well, for those who don't, Greg runs the Crable Group, whose raison d'etre is to solve technology, strategy, operations, and process problems for publishers and others. His expertise includes customer data platforms, who doesn't want to know about that, acquisition and retention, e-commerce, RFPs, fulfillment, and project management. He's got decades of experience in content creations and has worked extensively on publishing and marketing operations and in related technologies. He writes a lot and often about publishing, and he has a great daily podcast called Something I Learned Yesterday, which I might add are typically less than five-minute what I call smart pills, and he's already done several very practical episodes on AI, as well as many other subjects. So without any further ado, let's get started. Greg, welcome, and thank you so much for joining the show today. Well, Bill, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you. And it was it was really great to see you in New York back at the Hearst Tower. That was a lovely view of New York we had from up there. Indeed, it was. And if I recall correctly, uh, we actually sat at a uh, lightning roundtable on the very subject we're talking about today, AI, did we not? That's right. That's right. We did. That was very good. So uh, my quick preamble to get the conversation juices flowing between us here, there was a story in Time Magazine in May, and the sort of sensationalistic headline was, AI could destroy journalism as we know it. Media Hmm. mogul Barry Diller hopes to save it. Um, And it, it talked about how he's teaming up with News Corp and German publisher Axel Springer to protect news publishers from the threat of AI. Uh, it was interesting. Diller called publisher inaction a terrible mistake for publishers and through inaction to allow AI tools like ChatGPT to, quote, suck up every known piece of work that's ever been done, close quotes, saying that like large 
Language models like ChatGPT are trained on massive amounts of content uh, scraped from across the internet. And so some of the discussions are around fair use in copyright law. Could that be used as a defense uh, for AI companies that scrape huge amounts of content from publishers. Um, his quote was, what must happen in fair use has to be redefined. You can't have fair use when there is an unfair machine that knows no bounds. Uh, on the other hand, um, you know, many of us are putting uh, chat GPT, at least, you know, amongst other chat bots um, to work for us to make gains in productivity and time saving with a healthy dose of fact checking, of course, but in everything from writing first drafts of basic news stories to pounding out 10 iterations of marketing campaign copy in a flash to doing pre-sale research, writing sales emails, uh, and in fact, helping me uh, write the intro and structure of this podcast. So Greg, which is it with AI? Is it an existential threat to publishing? Um, is it our Siri on steroids or is it something in between? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. And it's hard to know for certain. If I, were to, if I were to try to say what are the two biggest threats to publishers from AI, I would start with two. That would start with these two. The first one is that AI provides an answer. And the second one is human pride. So let me elaborate on those. When, when you go to ChatGPT and you ask it, okay, I'm wondering about whether I should use a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, and here are my circumstances and so forth, it actually gives you an answer. If you go to Google and you ask that, or you go to an investing website, you have to read a bunch of articles. So that's like giving you homework to do. And I think the first challenge publisher, publishers are going to have to face is this transformation from providing generalized stories with information to providing specific answers to specific questions for specific people. The second one I said is pride. And that's just the sort of John Henry against the steam drill thing. You know, humans always think they're irreplaceable and they're so smart and you can't possibly do these things with a machine. But we learn repeatedly that that's not true, that machines actually can do things that replace human thought and ingenuity, and AI is, go is going to do that. Now, the, the bigger question that lies behind what you asked is, what's AI going to be like in the future? Like right now, we, we can see what can be done by ChatGPT or BARD or Bing or anything like that. And there's this question, well, if it's this good, maybe it's going to be five times better in a year or 10 times better in a year. And that is a much harder question. And on that area, I'd just like to refer to a quote from Sam Altman. Uh, he's the CEO who in charge of ChatGPT. And he says, the research that led to ChatGPT has already played out and people will need to come up with new ideas to move things forward. So we don't know whether what we have now is going to be stable for a few months or a year, or if all of a sudden there's going to be some new thing that's going to come along and completely make it even worse than it already is. That works from the perspective of trying to run a publishing business. Um, and that is indeed the, the rub here is what we're seeing today is barely scratching the surface of potentially what we will see. But we can't over-concern ourselves with things that we can't control today. So uh, as, in terms of some of the more immediate threats, um, what do you see um, as some of the things that if you were sitting in a publisher's shoes, they should be sitting at their strategy table hitting up right now. Yeah, it might depend on your revenue model. Uh, one, of, one of the things that AI will be able to do is create fantastic ad blockers. So 
a lot of publishers are trying to wean themselves off ad revenue to some extent and diversify their revenue streams. But if we all of a sudden have AI powered ad blockers that can just destroy the ad revenue model, that would be a huge threat to a lot of publishers. Uh, I think another big concern is what you mentioned earlier is the copyright concern. A lot of people are concerned that their information is going to be, you know, right now, ChatGP doesn't have access to the current web. It only goes, it goes back a little bit. But at some point in the relatively near future, these AI models will have access to the current web. So there's going to be a lot of questions about whether they want to feed the beast and how they can avoid feeding the beast. So that, that will be a big problem. And then the other thing that publishers are going to have to face is how much of a tech company do they want to be? You know, there, there was a time where publishers kind of stuck to their knitting and focused on creating content, and then they hired tech companies to do other things. But that's becoming less and less viable. Publishers are almost have to become tech companies, and they need to start investing in technology themselves, or at least hiring some people who they can partner with to, to do new tech for their, for their content creation and delivery. Yeah, there certainly are implications in terms of like who you have on your team, uh, because there are some real specialized skills here. It's not just like an IT developer. It's like a data scientist, right? But um, sort of back to something that um, I referenced seeing Brian Morrissey of the Rebooting Show at uh, the Magma Industry Day. He's been writing about AI as um, as far as like thinking that this is the end to what he's calling the attention or the page view economy. So mm -hmm. whether you uh, have a business model that is reliant on advertising or uh, paid premium content or both, um, do you feel like uh, there should be some more attention on this idea that uh, one can go to a chatbot and completely avoid having to visit a website to get the information they need? Yeah, that's, that's the point I was trying to make with saying that publishers need to focus on providing answers. Because if you're going to a, it used to be, let's think about the history of the web. Back in the old days, you had just lists of links. You had curated lists of links and people would tell you what was the important stuff and where you would go for here to get one thing or another. And then search engines were a huge step forward in that you could write a query and it would search the entire web and bring back things that were allegedly related to your query. Well, that was a great step forward, but it still required you to go through a bunch of pages and say, which ones are relevant and how do I get the answer to my question? What ChatGPT has introduced is this environment where you just plain get your answer. You don't have to get a bunch of homework to do after you type in your query. So in that environment, how is a publisher going to stay ahead? On the one hand, if somebody goes to this, let's imagine, let's imagine Google six months from now, where you type in a query and it gives you an answer. Why is someone then going to follow a link to a page where they have to read an article to get the answer that they already have? So allowing ChatGPT or any other kind of AI to just plain answer the question is going to cut down traffic to publishers' websites. Now, the only thing publishers can do to, there's two things publishers can do to try to fight against that. One is to try to restrict information that goes into these models, which I think is a losing game. But the second more important thing is to try to make their own 
large language models that answer questions from their point of view with their perspective, with their content. Because most of the time when people want an answer to a question, they really want it from a particular point of view. There is no sort of, gen in some cases, there is a generalized right answer. But a lot of times when you're asking a question, you want to know how a particular person or someone from a particular school or someone with a particular bias would answer that question. And that's where publishers need to be going now, is training large language models to answer questions with their voice and their point of view and perspective. And of course, right, that's the, the human touch uh, that at least as we were talking about the short term is probably not going to be something that uh, the chatbots can, uh, uh, can do very easily. It, it, it seems like, you know, are we in an age where uh, if, if that's not done uh, sufficiently that, uh, th that brands can start to disappear and even ones with great brand equity can start to lose, lose their juju? Absolutely. And to some extent, the AI bots can do this already. You can go to ChatGPT and say, answer this economics question as if you're Karl Marx or answer this uh, economics question as, as if you were, you know, somebody else. So it's already possible to try to get the bot to adopt a certain personality or a certain perspective or point of view. It's not great at doing that, but it's pretty good. And I think eventually more developed language models will be able to do that. You'll be able to say, I'd like you to answer this question from such and so point of view and then give your, give your question. But in the meantime, between now and then, it seems to me that's the publisher's best option is to have their own trained large language model with their perspective. Um, that makes sense. And I think we're going to get into some examples of that and some other strategies and opportunities. But I just um, want to, I'm not being pessimistic here, but I'm just kind of trying to identify all the things that publishers should be <laughs> thinking about these days on the threat side. So yeah. one of the other ones is um, is the um, the elephant in every room, which is job displacement. And, you know, I, I know that uh, there are some publishers that are, are being pretty um, active in trying to test um, AI for some basic content creation. There is also, you know, IT teams that um, are they chattering at their desks because ChatGPT can write uh, code very well um, and on and on. So uh, how would you advise publishers to think about that? Are they, is it, um, is it going to augment their efforts? Are they going to be replacing people yeah, so I have a couple of ideas along those lines. The first thing to manage is the fear. You have you have an HR problem, which is that your your employees aren't stupid. They know that AI is coming. They they fear for their jobs, and you have to manage that from a human resources perspective. Then, from a management perspective, in terms of will this allow us to cut staff and and cut our costs? Well, that's a possibility. And one of the things that I think about a lot with AI is, you know, in the past when a new technology has come along and people complain it will kill jobs and it does kill jobs. You know, we don't, we don't make buggy uh, whips anymore and we don't uh, heat our house or, you know, we don't have lamps with whale oil in them, right? There, mm -hmm. there are jobs that are gone because there are new technologies, but the answer is always, well, the new technology will provide new opportunities 
which will create a growing economy, which will increase jobs overall, even though specific jobs have disappeared. And that's largely been the case for quite a long time that, you know, people don't manually sew things. You have machines to do that and, and other, other examples. The question is whether that's still true with AI. And I don't really know because on the one hand, you could say AI is simply going to make every worker that much more efficient so that we can do way more with the same staff, with the same number, same resources. Or you could say that AI is simply going to displace those workers and you can have a bunch of people out of work and there won't be anything for them to do. And that's, that's a bigger question than I can really answer. I'm afraid that it's going to be more of the latter than the former, but I, I don't really know. Well, um, again, there's not a lot we can do about that strategically at this moment, but let's, let's move into some of the opportunities. We've, we've sort of hinted at them as we've talked about counters to some of the threats. Okay, uh, another word from the MACMA the founding organization of this podcast. Hey, Midwest U.S. publishing and media pros, want a taste of the super informative content experts and peer networking I'd mentioned I experienced at the New York MACMA Industry Day? Keep your calendar open and join your colleagues at a MACMA event this coming September in Chicago for a gathering of the most influential minds in media, publishing, and marketing, all under one roof to explore the forefront of audience development. This event will transcend the ordinary, offering an experience that will empower you to harness the latest trends and innovation to drive exceptional results. All right, I know this is a teaser, a trailer. We don't have speakers or specifics or a date or a location at the moment, but registration will open very soon. Um, on the, on my, by the time my next podcast episode comes out, uh, we'll have all that information or follow MACMA on LinkedIn. Um, and again, or the website, www.the-macma.org. Definitely join up to get more stuff like this and other great content and networking. And now back to our show. Um, but let, what are some of the shorter term opportunities that publishers can, and can adopt here utilizing AI? Right. Well, the immediate short-term thing people can start doing right now is just start using ChatGPT to repurpose content, to get ideas for stories, to take a story and convert it into different formats, to say, okay, here's this story, make a tweet for me. Here's this story, break it down into a 10-part uh, checklist or seven things to avoid or something like that. ChatGPT is fantastic about that, and people can start doing that right this minute, editorial and marketing. I imagine quizzes and, and polls and things like that as well, tests. Yes, exactly. So those are, those are opportunities where people can start using AI right this second. Then the second thing, which is what I mentioned before, is that publishers should start training their own large language models. Uh, that's, that's a little bit longer of a task. It's going to take a little time to do that, but not as much time as you might think. So that's, those are both opportunities. Another thing that's near and dear to my heart is predictive analytics. And this gets back to customer data and customer data platform issues and that sort of thing is one of the things that you'd love to be able to do is look at the way people interact with the content on your website and find new niches, find out, okay, people from this audience really like this kind of content. And our subscribers read this content and the drive-bys read this content. So AI can help 
parse through all that data and find opportunities hidden in that data for new product ideas and new ways to, to personalize and make content more uh, available and uh, relevant to the, to the readers. The same sort of thing can be done with ads, which is, you know, we've moved around with ads using third-party cookies and all that, which are going away, but they've started to create all these audiences and segments and target ads to, uh, to specific people that way. Now, AI is going to make that even better, although I would just mention in passing that Bob Hoffman has a good argument that that kind of advertising is garbage anyway, because one of the values of an ad is that you know everybody else is seeing it too. So if it's personalized just to you, you don't know that. So that's that's going to be an interesting, mm. uh, be an interesting wrinkle in how this goes along. But I think in both those ways, using AI to dig through the data and and find patterns and opportunities is going to be a, a great way for publishers to move forward. Um, yeah, and, and it's interesting. I know that uh, you've got a particular expertise in CDPs, customer data platforms. Um, I I know that the one that we're using has already started talking about incorporating chatbots to uh, help even further accelerate um, being I- to identify some of these interesting patterns and trends in the data. Um, is that something that you're seeing as well? Yes, that a lot of CDPs are working on that sort of thing. And and what you said reminded me of another great opportunity, which is starting to use AI for customer service. I listened to a recording, wasn't too long ago, of Google AI answering a inbound customer service call, and it was AI doing answering all the questions. And it sounded like a person, the answers were good. You wouldn't have known that it was AI, except that they told you ahead of time that it was AI. So there are a lot of opportunities there for answering customer concerns and making customer service much more accessible and useful. That's crazy. I mean, with all the deep fakes, you know, you can have Tom Hanks uh, being your customer service representative. Uh, that would be interesting. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I, I think um, that uh, you shared in one of your podcasts, one of your smart pills, um, and an interesting example of um, one of the more uh, progressive publishing firms, um, Skift, in the travel business, and how they're deploying um, AI. Can you share that? Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Skift built an AI chatbot for their site, and they based it on ChatGPT. It it took off with a bang right at first, but they weren't sure if that might have just been people checking it out out of curiosity. But the idea is that they only hired two programmers, and it took them eight weeks to develop this chatbot based on their content to work on their site. And they're incorporating it into their subscription offering. You get three queries for free, but then you have to sign up. Now, that's a really promising thing because the idea of training your own large language model is way out of scope for most publishers, probably for all publishers. It costs hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just a crazy thing to try to do. But there are a lot of tools out there. There's ChatGPT. There's something called Hugging Face. There are a lot of Google tools out there. There are other things that people can use to try to build their own large language models. And I think the Skift example is is a really good one. I think um, the Martech site has also built some of their own uh, chatbots in a similar way using ChatGPT. So should everybody be out there trying this tactic um, as a starting point? Or are there some other uh, basic ways that we can all recommend they get going? 
Well, I absolutely think that publishers should all start looking into that because just as search engines replaced the idea of a, of a list of content, answers to questions are going to replace search engines. And people are going to have to get used to the idea that people want an answer to their question, not a list of homework to do. And what Skiff did, what MarTech did, that's the direction that publishers need to go. Because it's just, I mean, have you thought, have you watched any science fiction film or any futuristic thing where, where someone asks a computer a question and it says, here's a list of articles to read. You know, that doesn't happen. Every, everybody is, an envision, is envisioning a future where the computer answers your question. And we're now on the, right on the cusp of that. It's, it's already active in some ways. That's where we're headed. For, for smaller and medium-sized publishers, um, like, you know, what Barry Diller is, has teamed up with Axel Springer and News Corp um, to try to go out and negotiate with the tech companies. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that, um, you know, some of the smaller niche publishers have any, um, you know, power to go out and start calling Google and saying, hey, pay for my content or else. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything to do there? Yeah, that's a hard one. The question is, you know, a little while ago, decades ago, when people started putting their content out for free on the internet, supported by advertising, that changed people's understanding of copyright. It changed the expectations. People now have an expectation that copyright should be out there for free. Now, it's a wrong expectation, but that's, that's the public's expectation. And now we're seeing that chicken is coming home to roost and we're seeing, okay, now we're giving away everything and these um, chatbots will be able to suck it all up and provide an answer that totally displaces the people who created the content in the first place. Now, there'll be copyright issues around that and everything else, but still, that's, uh, that's a big threat. And I don't know how to put the genie back in the bottle in that case, because even if a couple of publishers decide, okay, we're going to hide our content from you and, and not give it to the to the AI monster, there'll be 25 other publishers that give very similar content and the chatbot will be able to work off of that. So I, I don't know that there's a good answer to that solution. Some people have proposed things like to the extent that the chatbot uses somebody's content, they need to pay the publisher. But I don't, I don't know if that's reasonable. If, if you ask me to, let's say I'm taking a class and you're the teacher and you ask me to write a paper on some topic and I go to the library and I read 20 books, do I have to pay those books you know, for the knowledge that I got to write the paper? That, that's the kind of argument that the, the AI chatbots are going to use. You know, This is just background information and then we create our own content. Why should we have to pay for that? So that's going to be a long legal battle. And in the meanwhile, publishers have to do something practical to actually make money in the, in the real world rather than kind of hoping about some wonderful copyright thing that's going to save them. And how would you, I know it's kind of a bigger question, but how would you motivate editorial teams who, who might have some resistance to it, uh, to this whole concept and are burying their heads in the sand? Yeah, well, there's there's two sides, well, maybe three sides to that. One is what I mentioned early on in the show, it's just about human pride. People are going to have to get over the idea that they are so important. And, and that's going to be a hard pill to swallow, but it's going to be true. And now, obviously, right now, somebody still has to curate content. You can't take something straight out of ChatGPT and put it on your website because it hallucinates, it says stupid things, it makes stuff up. It, you know, you, you can't do that. Right now, you still need a human editor. But there's going to be a point 
with certain kinds of content where that's not the case anymore. So, so first thing is you need to make sure that people get over that problem. The next thing is you want to make sure that people are willing to learn and adopt the new technology and figure out what they can do with it. I would present this to both editorial and marketing staff as an opportunity to be more effective and more efficient. You know, in the past, maybe they could only write a certain number of articles a day or a week. Now they'll be able to write more and they'll be able to use these tools as a more effective way to to get ideas, to do research, to check on things. Obviously, they'll still have to fact check the information that they get, but it's it's going to make their jobs much, well, they're going to be able to do a whole lot more than they were able to do before. Now, unfortunately, we still have the problem of AI getting so good that maybe a human won't be necessary at some point, and that's going to have to be dealt with on a HR level. I don't know how to answer that question. That's that's kind of a problem that everyone in the world is going to be facing. Is my job going to even exist in, in a couple of years? But so that's going to be more of a of a HR management problem. Hmm. Um, well, last question in terms of practicality and you know what to do. Steps one, two, three is uh, I was looking an, an email uh, hit my inbox today and it was from. Uh, um, like a, a virtual events and webinar company. And they were sharing that there, I think they had like nine different uh, chat bots aside from chat GPT that um, have different various benefits mm-hmm. that that might be usable. So if you're, I, I don't know what, um, what skiff use, but if you're sitting in your office right now saying, okay, uh, what's my first step? Are they? Are you like sending? Are you asking ChatGPT who sh- who you should contact to start connecting to it, or are there other opportunities that uh, you should be looking into in different chatbots? Yeah, that's a good question. Skift used ChatGPT, by the way, but there are certainly other options. Like, there's I've tried ChatGPT and Bing and Bard, just for example, and you get different flavors of answers from the from the different places, and some will be better for different things. Like one thing I would like to be able to do is to say, okay, here's here's a concept or an article. I want I'd like to be able to make a checklist. I'd like to be able be able to make just a regular article, but I'd also like to be able to make a, a framework or a mental model or a, a chart that allows someone to visualize the information rather than simply reading it. So ChatGPT doesn't do that. It can make charts, but it's not going to make a it's not going to make a visual model of something you know, like for example, a two by two um, framework. It's not as good at those sorts of things. So I'm sure there are other AI tools that can do that kind of thing. So yes, we're going to have to learn what are the best tools for different sorts of applications. You know, you, you use mid journey for images and you use ChatGPT for text, but it's way more complicated than that. There are a lot of other things you can try to do. But one thing you mentioned just a minute ago about, you know, you get, I, I, it was your email reminded me of an email I got, which was about a particular bit of technology that I, it used to be called a subscription management platform. And now it's called an audience management platform. And that got me thinking, you know, what are the different words that you could use for different things, right? Like some people say the word webinar isn't a good word to use because people are sick of webinars. So you need to come up with some other word. Well, ChatGPT would be a great place to just uh, 
ask for ideas. What are some other things to call something that a webinar than a webinar? And what are the subtle implications of the different words? And you don't have to believe everything ChatGPT says, but it's a good uh, brainstorming opportunity. You can just brainstorm with ChatGPT and get a bunch of ideas and say, well, instead of calling it a webinar, maybe we'll call it a seminar or a training opportunity or, or some other word. And you can use ChatGPT to, and it's access to billions and billions of articles and words to, to just give you some other ideas that you might not have thought of. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, um, it was ChatGPT that named this new podcast, The Audience Architect. <laughs> so, you, uh, you know, um, and I, I also read recently, um, I'm not remembering his name, but uh, uh, the CEO of a major ad agency said that the mandate to his people was use, use the chatbots for ideas, not for work. So yeah. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. And that's a safe way to go is you don't want it to write the article, but you know, it can write a first draft of the article. It can tell you if you're writing an article about X, Y, or Z, here are the main things to cover with the exception, of course, of recent events, because it doesn't have access to recent information. Correct. Correct. So in closing, I'll read something that ChatGPT wrote um, after giving a list of, of, um, of threats, opportunities, and strategies. Sure. It says, by combining these strategies with a deep understanding of their audience and a commitment to delivering value, publishers can not only survive, but thrive in the age of AI. So was ChatGPT uh, just writing a press release, or <laughs> do you think it's true? <laughs> well, I don't know. And, and the question of publishers thriving is an interesting one. Does that does that mean all publishers thriving? Does that mean the editorial team thriving? Does that mean the marketing intern thriving? Right. So maybe the publishing companies will become so much more efficient, but they'll have one tenth the staff. Right. Maybe they'll make twice as much money, but they'll have not as many people on the payroll. So can obviously people will be continue to be interested in content. People want to get answers to their questions. They're curious about things. They want to be updated. They want to be diverted. They want to be educated. They want to have perspective. They want to be inspired. All these things that good content can do, people will continue to want that. And the question is, will a publisher touch on top of what the AI does still be necessary? Or will the AI be able to do that all by itself? And right now, the answer to that question is no. But who knows what uh, what it'll be like a year from now? And and um, I mean, let's wrap on that. Um, I have gotten a lot out of this conversation, a lot to think about. I hope our audience feels the same way. Greg, I, I want to thank you a lot for being the fabulous first guest of our Audience Architect podcast. We'll we'll have you we'll have you back. You can reach Greg at Greg at. Kreibel Group, that's K-R-E-H-B-I-E-L group.com. Again, I'll have the link in the show notes or learn about its services more at kreibelgroup.com. Thank you, Greg. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was a great conversation. Thanks, Bill.